Hello, everybody. My name is Carter Hall, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of What Really Happened. With me today, I've got Carson Bradley. And Carson, thanks for coming. What's up, dude? How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm doing good. You? Good, man. Uh, you know, just another day, man. Grinding it out. But uh, uh, so many people may not know this, but uh, you and I had a class together at WT where we took a film class. You know, kind of talk about like adaptations and stuff like that. Where <laughs> I mean, in a good way. I hope I can make this in a good way, but like. You would get, like, after a movie, because that whole classic, the whole premise was, like, around, like, adaptations, like, based off video games, mm-hmm. and we saw some, I guess, decent movies and some movies that weren't so decent, and... Oh, yeah. It's yeah, the sure. not decent ones. Yeah, some of those decent ones, I mean, it's the best way possible. You would give, like, some, you would deliver, like, the best rants after some of those movies, like, it reminded me a lot of Bill Burr, in a way, like, if I could say really? that, obviously. Yeah, you're, like... Right. Yeah, so like <laughs> some of those movies were not good at all that we saw. So no, not yeah, even, not even. So man, I was, there was some movies I was thinking of just earlier today, and like there was so many movies we saw that I forgot about, and I probably that's a good thing that we I don't remember any of them. <laughs> Absolutely, I remember a few of them in the worst possible ways. <laughs> Double right. Dragon, I still <laughs> despise Double Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I remember that's one of the ones I. I remember, but I'm kind of like, why do I remember that one? It wasn't that great of a movie to begin with. <laughs> no, that was my least favorite of all the ones we watched. Why was that? Like, why was that movie, like, so bad that stuck out to you? I mean, it had, like, a good concept, obviously, because it's, like, a successful video game. But, like, they don't become the double dragon until the end of the third act. Yeah. It's not like they became the double dragon and had a big fight. They had a big fight, and then they became the double dragon, delivered one hit, and the movie just ended. Like, it was so boring. It was. It was like, there's no real flow. I thought there was, like, no real flow to it. It's like, so there's no oh, yeah, story, and all of a sudden the third Yeah, it was like, it wasn't until the third act. It was really, like you said, there's that one big thing at the end, and then boom, they're the double dragon, and then movie's over. Yeah. That's what I thought, but that was the whole premise like, of that class was just, I guess, video games that got turned into movies. Was there any movies that, like, good movies that you remember from that class that stuck out? Um, I think Sonic is fairly decent. It's definitely the most watchable one, which, sure enough, it was the last one we watched. <laughs> yeah, literally, the last movie that we saw was Sonic. <laughs> I mean, saving the best for last, though, because I know he was, like, doing it in release date order, and, yeah, that was by far the, the funnest one, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even that movie alone, I think, before it even hit theaters, had a lot of criticism going into the movie before it even got released. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, the, the design and everything. Yeah, the whole design of that movie, just not so much, I don't think it was even the plot of the movie, because we didn't know the plot at the time, obviously, but, like, it was just... No, yeah. Animation. Look of Sonic, people were out. No, they saw the trailer because I wrote a I wrote my paper over that movie and I was like, there's so much I learned about that I didn't even know about. Like, so much money went into just changing that one animation of Sonic throughout the whole movie. That's all they yeah. changed. So, what do you think about Sonic? Was it what element like of Sonic did you like that stuck out to you? Well, him as a character, like uh, Ben Schwartz, I think is the guy who played him. It was Jean Ralphio from Parks and Rec. He yeah. Like, really seemed so, like, enthusiastic about playing him. And I think he's a really funny guy. Like, he has a stand-up special on Netflix with this other comedian. It's hilarious. And obviously, <laughs> Jean Ralphio is one of the funniest characters on one of the funniest shows ever. And, yeah, yeah like, his voice performance was perfect. And whenever they redesigned him, the look was perfect. And so, yeah, like, as the character himself, they nailed Sonic for sure. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean... I remember playing the game, one of the original games way back when. It was on, like, Dreamcast and all that back in the day. So I remember playing it, and when I heard there was a movie going to come out, I'm like, man, I hope, just as a fan of the game itself, I was like, hopefully they nailed this right. And they came back, and I think they, with the actor, the voice actor of Sonic, they did it right. I mean, the voice was there, just the animation of the look of the character originally, I think. Everybody's just, like, bullied. The movie. I don't say he bullied. bullied the studio, yeah. Studio pretty much into reanimating him. You know, this is crazy. But I've never seen that happen before. You know. No. And now it's happening more. Did you hear recently that Idris Elba will be playing Knuckles? 
I just saw that last night. I was just, I was, I was like so excited when I heard that. Yeah, <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> and is. he, like, they announced it in the perfect way. Like, I saw it was his Instagram post, and I was just like, yes, fresh off of Suicide Squad, which was awesome. And now he's Knuckles, like, yes. It just feels like the stars are finally aligning for everything, you know? So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Everything's working and out. It's great. I still haven't seen the second Suicide Squad movie yet, so maybe I can watch that this weekend. So. Oh, it's but, good. I went and saw it in IMAX. It was it was so awesome. <laughs> cool. Like, without spoiling it, like what are some like, what was good about it? Was it the storytelling or just what was it? Oh, man, it was definitely that, because, like, you know, the first one was, like, a huge mess. Like, the plot yeah. was a mess. The editing seemed like it was broken overall, and the characters were awful. The The comedy was, like, Wentzworthy. The comedy in this one, you know, it's James Gunn. It is so funny. I mean, John Cena, he's kind of a living meme. He stole the show in that in almost every scene, and so did King Shark. Sylvester Stallone playing him and so yeah the comedy was hilarious the action sequences were also a lot of fun like it was really violent but in a tasteful way you know like a like like someone like Kingsman and and like there's and something that James Gunn does so well is he takes like these colorful kind of stupid characters like the Guardians of the Galaxy on paper they're they're kind of stupid yeah. But he makes them, like, more than just, you know, a shark that is looks like the Hulk and makes them more than just Harley Quinn and she's crazy. Like, there's, like, emotion to them, and it was kind of unexpected. And there's a lot of unexpected things that happens throughout, and that's, that's where I'm going to stop and not spoil <laughs> anything. Cool. So, like... You know, it's kind of funny, you know, like you said, John Cena's pretty much a big meme, so it's kind of funny they even, they found him to even play this movie, you know, so everybody's still searching for him, because he's apparently invisible, but, um... <laughs> I love that joke, it's been going for, like, ten years. Yeah. Yeah, I've kind of, I mean, I'm on a, I mean, I saw the first one in theaters when it came out, and I was like, man, it was kind of, some parts were more cringy than others, it seems like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then, like... I remember even back then, Jared Leto was getting so much heat for playing the Joker, and I was like, when it came out, I was like, man, hopefully it'll be good. Then I watched it, I was like, man, that's not where I thought it was going at all. But No, because yeah. I, I saw a YouTube video recently that compared his performance as the Joker to Jim Carrey as the mask, and I cannot unsee that now. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, are they pretty similar? Yeah, like the way... Jim Carrey acted whenever, like, the character had the mask on. He was, like, super extravagant. and But it worked for the mask because the mask is a Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. But as the Joker, it just – it's so – it's not the Joker, you know? Well, yeah. You know, I kind of remember, you know, when, like, Heath Ledger and all those guys started playing the Joker. And Heath brought a lot of, you know, charisma, you know, charisma and – he he, was, he played it care that character so great and brought everything. So he brought something to it that I don't know if anybody else can bring to the table as a Joker and you know not in the way he did. No, apparently and even you know yeah, that's pretty cool. It worked out. He got an Oscar for that role, I believe. He did. Him and Joaquin Phoenix both won an Oscar for playing the Joker. I think that's the only time in like the Academy history that two different actors have won an Oscar. For portraying the same character, I think. I could be wrong. Oh, wow, I didn't even know that. Um, I didn't even think about that. It's kind of crazy that, you know, there's two great actors, you know, who portrayed that one character. You know, it's one of those characters that just, they're so good, you know. It's, almost like, it's weird, you know, it's kind of weird praising a villain, you know. Like, not praising a villain, but like get a, a villain in a movie getting in a like learning to understand him, you know. Yeah. Because it feels a character like the Joker, there's so many layers that you, like an actor can just peel back and really immerse themselves into. And that's clearly what Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix did. And with Jared Leto. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what, it's like he just had like such a big ego and probably bad direction too, I can't imagine. Okay. And it just went all wrong. It did. Uh, okay. Every time I think of Jared Leto, I think of a, uh... Him as the lead singer of 30 Seconds to Mars. I always, that's how I was brought up, you know? I'm like, that he sings too. 
I know. Every time I think that, I'm like, Jared Leto, I mean, I remember like in middle school or high school when Jared Leto came out with a new album with 30 Seconds to Mars or anything like that. I'm like, oh, this band's pretty cool. And then I turned around, like, I remember, I think Dallas Buyers Club was their first movie he was in. I remember him watching it. I'm like, hold on, that's Jared Leto. He acts? Like, is it just one that scene? That was a good one, though. That's a good well, performance. That was. And he turns around and does, like, Suicide Squad and all this. I'm like, what? <laughs> There's, like, yeah. no between. He's like, that that's Spider Club with Matthew McConaughey and like Suicide Squad like right here. So it's like yeah, it's like there's it's no never in between. It's always amazing or the worst thing ever. <laughs> it is. I mean, I'm not. It is. I mean, he's a great actor. Don't get me wrong. It's just like kind of like the whole. This kind of reminds me of like the whole. I guess Captain uh, American, like not Captain uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier kind of thing. You know, it's like right. that one character that everybody hated. You know, it's pretty much. I think. A little bit, not so much identical, but somewhat the same. I think it's like they hated the character so much, but it's like I don't know. Just that we can hate the character, but don't hate the person in a way. I don't know. Did you watch? Are you are you more of a DC or Marvel fan? Um, I'm I'm not. When I was growing up, I was more of a Marvel fan, but now I'm not really too heavily leaning on the others. Just whichever. Um, whichever has like the best content. My dog just made his way in my room. <laughs> whichever has like the best content, that's what I like more. And obviously, Marvel has a way better track record yeah. than DC so far. But DC has some good stuff because, like, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy is amazing. Yeah. And this new Suicide Squad, as we mentioned, it was awesome. Uh, and Joker was pretty good. I don't think it's as great as a lot of people said it was like, I feel like it definitely was held up by Joaquin Phoenix. And if not for him, the movie would probably not be as good, but that's just, that's just me. Yeah. I remember you kind of brought up content or anything like that. And like, you know, good content or anything like that. So kind of want to dive into like, you know, we brought up, you brought up content and then earlier we're kind of talking about adaptations and everything. That's not kind of want to combine the two. So, so like, when it comes to like adaptations, wherever it is, you know, you know, movies that were, you know, video games that get turned into movies, like Sonic was, or, you know, TV shows that get turned into movies or whatever. What, like, what good content, you know, can they make into a movie? Like, how can I say this? Like, what makes, like, what content, like, we're talking about, like, last night, like, TV's books, you know, anything like that, that can turn into a movie. What is your thoughts? Like, what makes a good movie, you think, based off, whatever it first originated from. So basically, in my opinion, like when it comes to like a TV show to a movie, what always is like the best result typically is that the movie's just a longer episode. Mm -hmm. And I think the worst example of this is the uh, Impractical Jokers movie. I love the show. It is one of the funniest shows probably ever made. And it's like a basic structure. It's uh, a competition show amongst friends. They perform a sketch, kind of. It's like a hidden camera prank. They perform that. Whoever refuses to do what the other guy says loses. They do that until there's a big loser and they have one big final punishment. There's not like a plot to it. But the movie, for some reason, decided to have a plot, have a story, the Impractical Jokers themselves are not actors, mm-hmm. and so the acting was really bad. And it was also PG-13. And the thing about the show is that, you know, it is heavily censored because it's on TV. Mm-hmm. But what would have made the movie such like a novelty is if it would have been the same structure as the show, but make it longer, unedited, uncut, and, like, uncensored, and, like, make it rated R almost. And um, that's what would have. <laughs> that's what would have made it made it practical. Joker's better as a movie instead of having a really unfunny plot. Because like there are some scenes where they're not doing their typical thing, where it's like a scripted sketch, and that's not what they're known for. And so mm-hmm. that comedy fell flat. And there's not much of a novelty to it because it is censored, just like the TV show. But a good example of this very thing that they should have done is is the Jackass movies. Because, sure. like, the show had a basic structure. It's just dumb stunts 
and that's it. And, you know, since it was MTV, it was censored, and there was a lot of stunts that they had to cut out. It was mostly Steve-O, but... <laughs> um, Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And it was, you know, just on, like, a 30-minute time, like most TV shows. But with the movies, they had no worry about time. They had no worry about censors either. Mm-hmm. And that's all they needed was just more time and no restrictions. And sure enough, they haven't made it into a TV show since the first movie came out. And that first movie, I think, came out in 2000. I could be wrong. And yeah, it's like 20 years old at this point. And here they are in October about to release the fourth movie. And like, clearly it works better as a movie because there's no restrictions. There's no time. And that's all it is. It's just a longer, uncut episode. And therefore, they've made four movies now. It's now better known as a movie franchise than it is a TV show. Where in Practical Jokers, it's still known as a TV show. That's definitely the the best, funniest one. But the movie could have been just longer and just more of what we wanted from the show. But instead, it's watered down and, like, honestly, kind of less pranks than what we're used to on the show, even. Sure. I mean, I remember watching those movies growing up a lot, you know, I mean, probably being a little kid young to watch Johnny Knoxville and all those guys doing what he does. But, oh, same. Yeah, same. I, remember, <laughs> I remember tuning into MTV every once in a while and watching, you know, you know Johnny Knoxville or Steve-O or Bam do all those crazy stunts. I'm like, how does this, how does this make how does this make air? Like, how does this honestly make air? Like, some of the stuff they did, like, even right. on MTV, like, how do they even make air? Now they're making movies, and I... We were going to go watch one of the movies in theaters. I think it was the third one. I'm like, dude, oh yeah, my god, I am I'm so <laughs> jealous of you. <laughs> and no, uh, and I was like, man, how did this? My my mind was blown. Like I was laughing, but like there's some parts I'm like, okay, this is so stupid. Like I would never do this in a million years. Like, but but it just there's something about it that just kept me at least tuned in to like, okay, there's no like real storyline. But just the, oh, yeah. what they took from a TV show and adapted it to a movie. And I'm just like, wow, that's just crazy. You said there's not so much you know, censorship. The ratings can go up. The rating of the movie can go up because they can do so much more than what they could previously on TV. That they did. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like there's, you know, that I, I don't know if you've ever seen this this done before, but the whole Porta Potty one. I'm like, there's no way you could get away Ooh, with doing cocktail, yeah. Yes. No way you could do that on TV at all, like at all. <laughs> no, so, no, especially not if we're talking about the third one where it's like a bungee thing, like a bungee ride, but it's a porta potty full of, of yeah, poop. Exactly. No, that would not have been allowed on on TV. And even then, with the third one, they still exceeded like past their restrictions from TV because the third one was in 3D and. That's one reason why I wanted to see it in theaters so bad. And, and like, the reason why I thought of Jackass is not only because the fourth one's coming out soon, but I finally got to – I because I've been wanting to see the third one in 3D for so long since I didn't in theaters. And I went looking, and I found the Blu-ray, and it actually came with, like, the paper 3D glasses. <laughs> yeah. Ten years later – no, 11 years later – I finally got to see it in 3D. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was an experience. Oh really? So uh, someone needs to do at least once in their life is watch Jackass 3D in 3D. <laughs> yeah, it's it's obviously the name, so you got to do it at least once in your life, right? <laughs> so absolutely. Uh, who's your out of that whole crew? Who's your favorite? Like, do you have a favorite like person in out of that group? I I I want to say Stevo. <laughs> why is that well like in the show he was like the ballsiest craziest one he has that distinct voice and he's just like <laughs> such a big personality and but then whenever you look behind the scenes and look at him now that dude is like the living embodiment of self-improvement because sure. like he was a really bad uh alcoholic and drug addict like he like it had an intervention with the jackass crew before they made the third movie because he was like talking about doing a stunt that involved jumping off of like a, the balcony of his apartment. And they were like, this is gonna kill him. Yeah. And now he's like a full fledged vegan 
and has been clean and sober for like 12 years now. And when there was a time everyone thought first one that's going to die is going to be Steve-O, he's probably going to outlive all of them at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's just Steve-O's done amazing things. So I follow him on Instagram, and it feels like he's, his life is at 100. Like He just took his life 180 degrees. He's, just, he's living a completely different life than he was previously. And when they're, I heard oh, they're yeah. Making, yeah, and it feels like when they made a new, they're making it. When I heard they're making a new movie, it was just a fourth one. It was just rumors at that point. I'm like, is he going? One, is he going to be in it? Two, if he is, how is he going to be able to be in it and not go back to that life he lived before? Because if I was like, yeah, that's like my story, like all the hits and not yeah. needing alcohol. Because to do what they do, you're yeah. gonna have to drink a little bit. For sure. And sure enough, they all do. Yeah. It feels like it's kind of funny. <laughs> I saw an interview or video somewhere on YouTube, I think not long ago, like about a month or so ago. And uh, I saw, you know, it was Johnny Knoxville and his hair was literally all white. And I'm like, I'm not I, I, fully gray now. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, they kind of took me by surprise. I thought that was like a part of the stunt. I'm like, man, it feels like I was older now because it felt like I remember when he had that whole head of it was, his whole hair was dark. Now it's like all white. And I'm like, wow. This group is really getting older, and I'm like, are some of these stunts even going to be safe for them to even do to begin with? Right. For their <laughs> sake, I hope this fourth one is the last. Yeah. I thought 3D was the, going to be the last one for sure. Yeah, I think most people assume that because of their age, and I mean, not not all of them are in as good a shape as Steve. I mean, have you heard about Bam recently? Yeah. yeah like, his, that is tragic he's unrecognizable he's not even in the fourth one because of how difficult he is this is so crazy because if i feel so bad for, because it was like he was kind of living that life that steve was a little bit you know oh yeah and he never grew out of it and wanted to improve himself no it feels like he you know it feels like multiple people tried to help him it's just like he couldn't get that help you know unfortunately the, i mean least, he had the same support group steve had really yeah I guess since it's people, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, you know. It seems like you – many people, as much as you try, it seems like – I guess he just doesn't want the help, I guess. I don't know. That type of help from his own friends. So sad, though, to hear that whole story, you know. But, you know, it's going to be kind of different. I kinda, I'm kind of waiting for this new movie to come out, kind of go watch it, you know, because – I am so yeah. – have you seen the trailer for it? Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times when it came out. I'm like – I'm so excited. It makes me want to go watch it right now. But It looks good, man. I was afraid it was going to be like a little tame because of their age, but no, nah, they they still got it. Yeah, they're still they're still going at it like they were in the first one, it seems like, too. Oh, yeah. No, it's <laughs> going to be good. For sure. Is there any other like adaptations you can think of that are good or bad? Hmm. Like well, that from somewhere else? Yeah, well, we just talked about TV shows. If we want to talk about video games like we did in Dane's class, we totally could. Because there's, like, a few uh, movies that we didn't even cover. For sure. Like, what movies do you think that you that come to mind that we didn't even, like, bring up or touch on? Well, the movie that I wrote uh, the paper on, the final paper, I wrote it on the Need for Speed movie, um, yeah. which isn't great. But I do wish we would have watched it because it is such a harmless movie like it is not like offensive and boring well it's, it is a little boring but not as boring as something like double dragon yeah <laughs> um and it just would have been a breath of fresh air because it just seems like such a a normal movie compared to everything we watched but in the paper i talked about how much potential it really has that movie's cast the fact that it's a largely forgotten about movie with its cast, like that's it's insane to me. Like it has Aaron Paul, Dakota Johnson, Dominic Cooper, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is in it. I, Kit Cuddy's in it too. And they had <laughs> Rami Malek. Oh yeah. Mr. Robot himself. And Rami Malek's barely in it. Most of the movie is just Aaron Paul driving a Ford Mustang and like not even racing. And I also talked about how even if they knew their full potential and like exceeded that, I still don't think the movie would have performed well at the box office because it came out a year after Fast and Furious 6. Oh, and when it comes to Need for Speed, we kind of already have that in movie form 
in the form of the Fast movies. And unlike literally almost every franchise ever, Fast and Furious reached its peak with like its fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh one. Like as they kept making them, they they were getting better almost. Yeah, it seems like they always keep getting bigger and bigger. Like I I forgot I I lost count after like the fifth or sixth Fast movie. Like I I lost count. Like I didn't I. I'm like, man, what movie are they on now, man? It feels like this could have been ended like three movies ago. It is, but I, I finally got around to watching the ninth one. Yes, I went and saw that. I so loved it. I, I skipped, I think, seven and eight. So I had to, like, YouTube, like, okay, so what's the premise? What's the storyline? What did I skip? And then on the way to the theater, because I felt like I wanted to go watch the ninth one. But I was like, man, this movie was just a little bit – so, it's a little bit better. It is really dumb. It was. Like, I'm trying to find a nice way to say it, but, like, <laughs> I remember watching it. I'm like, man, there's some characters I don't even, like, remember. Like, <laughs> the only remember, like, I remember, obviously, is I remember Ludacris being in it from the second one because I remember watching yeah. Three in Theater when I was a little, little kid when I first wow. came out. And I remember watching Fast 9 in theaters. I'm like, man, there's so much to the story I've completely forgotten about i don't remember half the stuff i'm like now john cena's in it like what's going on like <laughs> i loved john cena and f9 i mean i'm a huge fan of that franchise i own all eight of them on blu-ray i watched them all back to back <laughs> to back before i went and saw the ninth one i picked up on every little reference i i was fanboying a little bit when i went and saw it it's not it is certainly not a great movie it's it's really really dumb but like <laughs> I can't help it. I just love it. It's like a little <laughs> puppy. It's like a like a puppy that's kind of dumb and kind of clumsy, but like, gosh darn it, you can't not love it. That's For basically sure. my my dog now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like I maybe mean, I remember watching it, like there's so many aspects. I like you said, just going to go watch. I mean, I feel like I wanted to watch it because there's something deep down I wanted to go watch it. There's something like, it, I was like it, it does that. It's got a charm to it. Yeah, there's like there's some movies out there that are like that. I think I've, I you know I've like, man, I want to go watch this movie, but like at the in the middle of the movie, I'm like, man, why am I watching this movie? But at the end of the movie, I'm like, man, good thing I did watch that movie because I felt like I'm not like left out on it. <laughs> it feels like I talk about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you said you wrote your paper for Need for Speed. Yeah, yeah, we I kind of drifted off of that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. oh, no, no problem. I, Okay, so you what's the, you said you wrote about was it the you wrote about the box office aspect of it or that yeah you, I talked but, about how it had so much potential to actually be really good um, because of the cast but the the writing completely underutilized pretty much every character and mm-hmm. it was kind of a boring plot like it's a street racing movie and where it could have been because at the time you know Fast Six had just come out. That one was definitely one of the ones that was most certainly not about street racing and was more world-saving, larger-than-life action sequences. Still good, though. The sixth one's one of my favorites. Anyways, um, <laughs> but where Need for Speed could have been that little taste of what the originals were, where it was like mostly street racing, it could have been. It was so close to it, but there's, like, I think two actual races in the movie it's at the very beginning, and it was a pretty pretty well-made scene. And then it was at the very end. And at that point, if you're, like, still invested, it might be a payoff. But that movie, like, everything between the races was just kind of a boring road trip movie. And with most road trip movies, you know, it's like a comedy. This one wasn't. And so it was just kind of lacking any real charm or character and it just was like hey look at this new ford mustang do you want to buy it because it was brand new at the time (laughs) and it is a nice ford mustang but that movie came out in 2014 i have never owned a mustang so must not have worked on me i wouldn't mind owning one but that's besides the point (laughs) um and and like everything in between was just so boring when in reality, the plot could have been like a race against the clock. It could have been him, Aaron Paul's character being wanted, which it kind of was, but it wasn't. Like it, the plot really doesn't make a lot of sense because he's trying to get into the like this super secret race, 
and he wants to attract the attention of the curator, which is played by Michael Keaton. And when I say underutilized actors, Michael Keaton is a legend. If you've seen yes. Birdman, that is one of the best performances from any actor ever. Um, sure, he's a goat too when it comes to acting. Absolutely, and he should have won the Oscar for Birdman. For sure. That's a different rant for a different time. <laughs> um, and that even came out the same year as Birdman. I just, I just realized that. Anyways. <laughs> And his character is in one room the whole movie. They have Michael Keaton, and he's in one room. It looked like they could have shot all of his scenes in one day. Like, criminally underused. For sure. And so Aaron Paul's character is trying to attract the attention of Michael Keaton, but not the attention of the cops. And so it's like, so what are you trying to do? Are you trying to attract attention but not when in reality it would have been cool if they did have them attract attention because the point of the game is to race and be in hot pursuits from the cops. So they could have had most of the movie be a run from the cops. It could have been like smoking the bandit almost, which is my dad's favorite movie ever. And <laughs> it's a, it's, it's an all right movie. It's Burt Reynolds, absolute legend. Mm-hmm. Um, and where it could have been like a more high octane version of that, it was just, it was boring, and sure enough, it flopped at the box office, I think largely because Fast and Furious had, like, very much reached its peak, and even if the script utilized the characters and wasn't horribly boring, I don't think that would have made much of a difference with the box office really at all, unfortunately. Yeah, so to pretty much there's a lot of missing elements from the game or from the, in the movie that they just they didn't utilize from the game at all. Oh yeah, because I mean there were races and they were cool, but like I said, there was only two and there's maybe one scene where he runs from a cop, but it's not a chase scene. If I'm remembering it right, I haven't seen it since last semester when we wrote the papers. Yeah. So was the game much more you think appreciated than the actual? Obviously it was, but like was it much more like? Over like the game was much more overappreciated than the actual movie itself. Absolutely, the games were like they made you feel like you were driving that speed because that same year, if not the year before the movie, there was a new game that came out. It was Need for Speed Rivals, which I still think is the best Need for Speed game. It is such a simple game. You either play as a racer and race, do hot pursuits, time travels, time travels time trials uh, <laughs> or you play as a cop and you chase all the racers and you have like pursuit tech. So you can like shoot an EMP at a cop or a racer. And it is so awesome. And, and it just, it really lives up to the name need for speed. Like it fulfills that need. And I still play it, even though it's like an eight year old game. I, I love that game. And it, it is just such a fast paced game because it's only about, racing and the movie just completely failed to capture that fast pace high octane feel where and i titled my paper the need not fulfilled and i think that sums it up pretty pretty correctly when it comes to the movie yeah so when it comes like i know like we talked about like tv cells going like adapting into a movie and stuff like that it's kind of different process but like for video games turning into a movie, do you think it's a whole different process? Like, there's some elements that they just so hard to choose from because it's a video game in itself going into a movie. Yeah, because, like, what makes a game have its appeal is that you're controlling it. It's all up to the person. And with a movie, you're not going in to do what you want to do. You're going in to watch someone else's vision and someone else's story, which, I mean, there's beauty in both of them. But when adapting a game, it is a little difficult because it's almost like a book where you're reading the book, you're imagining everything that's happening in your head, and kind of automatically what you imagined is going to be better than what someone else imagined and put to screen. And with a game, you know, you might, like we'll stick for need for need with Need for Speed, for example, you might customize your car in a different way. You might have a bias over a Corvette Stingray than a Ford Mustang. Mm -hmm. And 
you might have made it a certain color. You might enjoy it a different way, or you might like playing as the cops. With a movie, there's not a story to draw from. There's not a story really to tell. And with a game that is almost fully set on whatever the player wants, it's going to be hard to satisfy them because, you know, the Ford Mustang in the movie is like silver and blue. It is a beautiful car. Um, but, you know, in in the game, I like playing uh, Stingray and I make it, I typically make it black or dark green and it might just fail to connect with me that way. But that's just an example. That's not one of my issues with Need for Speed as a whole. But mm-hmm. for audiences who are fans of the game, it might be. And another thing with it is that the game completely captures that feeling of driving fast and the movie just didn't. And so that's another thing it failed. But when it comes to video games, I think, why don't they just adapt ones with a story? Yeah. The job is almost done for you at that point. Like the Assassin's Creed movie, which I've only seen once, it was in theaters, and I never want to see it again ever in my life. <laughs> that movie was torture. It was awful. Um, <laughs> but when I saw it, I was like, why didn't they just adapt one of the games that already exists? Because they made their own story. And that movie has a ton of other issues. Um, but the biggest one was that the story wasn't a pre-existing game and they made it complicated for themselves. Like, why not just take one that already has a story and just do that? I know it's probably easier said than done, but like, I think a game like Grand Theft Auto would make a way better movie than something like Need for Speed, which doesn't have a story or characters for the most part. But like Grand Theft Auto, you can see that it is heavily influenced by different movies, especially like Goodfellas or um, I think Menace to Society is one of them. That is like I'm talking about the fifth one more specifically, because like with Michael's story, that is so clearly based off of or influenced by something like Goodfellas. And so adapting that into a movie, you already have movie inspirations to draw from. And so there, I think studios have just for some reason made the job much more difficult for them because even with sonic although i do enjoy it why didn't they just adapt one of the games directly that has like a story to it you know yeah for sure like you said like even you know forget like you brought a grand theft auto you know drawing inspirations from that there's so many things i think you can utilize as far as storytelling you know like you can play draw from you said like I remember playing Grand Theft Auto V, and I'm like, I mean, there's so many different, like, aspects you can probably, even playing the game itself, like, the story like, mode of it, I'm like, there's so many different aspects you can bring if they were to turn into a movie, you know? But, you oh, know, yeah. There's, like, that would work so well as, like, a big, epic action crime drama, and it would probably be one of the best video game movies. No, it would probably be the best video game movie ever, because I'm, again, thinking of all the ones that have come out. They're mostly terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I did not like that new Mortal Kombat. I thought that was a train wreck. Oh, really? What What do you, like, What about it makes it a train wreck? Um, the effects are horrendous. Like, this is Warner Brothers. They they just released the Suicide Squad. You know, it's that same <laughs> studio. They, they released Blade Runner. And that is, like, one of the most beautiful-looking movies probably ever made. I mean, Roger Deakins, Denis Villeneuve, amazing movie. And then they turn around and release a movie that looks just as much like that Mortal Kombat Legacy web series made by fans. And my biggest, biggest gripe with it, though, is they had the audacity to make the poster Sub-Zero and Scorpion and have... Uh, whopping two fights between the two of them in a, like a two-hour movie, or maybe even less than two hours, and there's two fights between them. And I'm just thinking, like in the 90s one, not having Sub-Zero and Scorpion as the main characters, that's okay, because they weren't the most iconic characters in the 90s. Not yet. But in 2021, even the, even like the most bare minimum amount of information someone can 
think of when they think of Mortal Kombat, even if they've never played a game ever, they know Scorpion and Sub-Zero. At this point, their rivalry is that game. And the the choice of actors that played them, that great choices. They're both great actors. And they could have just made it about their rivalry, and it would have been an arguably pretty compelling movie with some amazing action. But instead, there's two fight scenes with them, which were easily the best scenes in the whole movie. And in between the two fights, much like Need for Speed, was just boring. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't even the tournament. They talk about the tournament the whole movie. They never even do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I remember watching the original Mortal Kombat in Dean's class. I remember, like, it was based around, like, the tournament. It feels like they kind of how they, the first part of it is kind of like how they got to the tournament and the rest of it's like, the tournament itself, you know? Yeah, like the point of the 90s one was the tournament. Like, we actually saw them participating in it. And I don't like that one much either, but it's better than the new one because they knew really what the story at least should have been. For sure. I remember, like, it was kind of based around, like, Johnny Cage and all those guys and everything like that. And you got their appearances from Sub-Zero and Scorpio and everything like that. So I suppose, like... You kind of got a little bit of everything, even though those Scorp- like Scorpio and all those guys weren't Sub-Zero weren't the, the most popular and all that. Yeah, I yeah. I remember they, they still saw, gave them to you. Yeah, they remember they saw everything in post-production for Scorpio and everything like that, because I believe or either one, I can't remember, because one of them just wasn't the biggest one, you know, like at that time. It feels like you he, he brought up a good point in the sense of, like, with the newer one, I still haven't seen the new one yet. I don't know if I want to or not, but... um. I kind of, I've been waiting, I'm like, I don't know if I want to or not, but it feels like, um, you know, I saw the poster for the new, the new, the one that's came out, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool, they have the two characters in it, and I'm like... It's a cool think? poster, but it is wildly misleading. Yeah, I didn't even know that, I didn't mean, of course, I haven't seen the movie yet, but you would think, from what I got from the poster itself, you know, it feels like you would have thought those two would have been the lead of the movie or something like that, or even... Absolutely, and or it would have been, I think that would have been awesome. For sure, I even you not even lead of the movie. It feels like even like good secondary characters in the movie or something. You know, it feels like they could have brought something more to the table or to the storyline. You know, but I don't know. I still haven't seen the movie, so I that's I don't know. I'll, I'll debate it a little bit more if I want to watch it or not. <laughs> I don't even know if they put it back on HBO Max because obviously it was on during its theatrical run, but I don't think they've they put it on yet, and it's been a couple months since it came out. For sure. There's some movies that, you know, I've been, I still haven't even seen, like, I, like, I want to watch Mortal Kombat. It feels like there's, I may wa- end up watching it just because I want, like, just to watch it. I don't know. Get my, you know, make my own opinion about it. But there's other movies, like, there's another movie that comes to mind. I didn't even, or that came out around the same time as that one. And that was, a you know, the Kong versus Godzilla movie. That's kind of a bit of a remake from back in the day. Oh, uh, yeah. So oh, that, was, that movie knew exactly what it needed to be. For sure, I I remember I like mean, I don't know. Ever since I was a little kid, I was a big King Kong fan. And oh yeah, was, same. I saw the Peter Jackson one in theaters. Me too. I was I was a big fan of that one. Like I just even though it was like a seven hour long movie. It oh yeah, like it went on forever in a day. It feels like, but I don't know. It's just one of those movies. I think that like man, this is just, I love the Peter Jackson one. And then when they came out with a new version of it, the newer one. Oh, a, Skull Island. Skull Island, yeah. And I was like, man, this is this King Kong looks a lot more like intimidating in a way. It feels like this one is more like yeah, he's more standy uppy for sure. And it's more like he's taller, he's bigger. He, I remember one scene, he legit like fights like was it an octopus or something like that and tears it off, whatever. Yeah, it was something. It was like a squid or something. Yeah, yeah. something like that. I'm like, man, these are there's some remakes coming out that I'm really like, I can really get really into, you know. Yeah, when it comes to, like, full-fledged remakes where it's a movie that, you know, existed a long time ago and then they decided to sort of reinterpret it, there's mostly bad, but there are some good ones out there. I uh, recently watched Suspiria, the 2018 remake. I haven't seen the 70s one, but the 2018 remake was fantastic. It was such an unnerving movie. It's about um this American ballet student who's like enrolling in this um 
ballet academy in, I think, Germany? Somewhere in Europe. But the whole academy is a front for a witch coven. And it is genuinely off-putting and scary. And the acting was amazing. Because it had, the, the remake had Dakota Johnson, uh, Tilda Swinton. And Tilda Swinton, she's one of the best actresses probably working today, period. She plays two different characters. And there's like this therapist character who's an old man. And you see it and you think, this man looks so weird, but it's just an old man. But no, that was Tilda Swinton playing an old man convincingly. Like, it was, she just disappeared in that character so well. And yeah, there's so many, like the dance sequences, those within themselves sort of tell a story. And the horror to the dance sequences I mean, it is, it's really off-putting because, like, there's a scene or there's two scenes where um, these characters are, you know, performing this dance and they're almost controlling another character in a different room and they're becoming all, like, disfigured and, like, broken. And it was like watching a car crash. Like, you want to look away because what you're seeing is truly devastating. Yeah. But you don't want to. It felt like that. It was it was a good movie. I think it's directed by Luca Guadagnino. I probably completely butchered that name. <laughs> he's an Italian director. And he's actually kind of like an expert in remakes because he also directed A Bigger Splash, which was a remake of The Swimming Pools with uh, Ray Fiennes and other actors too. I haven't seen A Bigger Splash though. I just know about it. And he's going to direct another Scarface remake which is crazy because the Al Pacino one is a remake itself. And that movie is so iconic that I think people, myself included, often forget that that is a remake. I always forget about that because I remember I watched the Al Pacino one from time to time. And I remember like, man, this is just a great movie. I, I When I first watched it, I didn't even know it was a remake. I was like, man, this is a good. I didn't either when I first saw it. You yeah, would have think it is. You would have thought too, like there's so many great like good like scene like acting wise it feels like that's a really good movie you know Al Pacino kills it that dude is an expert actor and that one that along with stuff like The Godfather and Heat and Insomnia and just a lot of others it's just like it's almost like he takes on these movies just to show off how amazing of an actor he is and it's like yeah all right Al Pacino we get it you can act (laughs) I know but like if he wants to keep showing off good for him because he's still good at it. The Irishman, I thought, was fantastic. For sure. Those are, you know, some of those movies are just one of those movies that stand the test of time, I think. It feels like Al Pacino is one of those people who understands the project. He's one of those people that goes all in. He understands what he needs to do, when he needs oh, to yeah. do it. He, like, does what every actor needs to do. They He puts himself and he immerses himself in that character. And Al Pacino, the man, just disappears and he becomes you know, whoever it is he's playing, whether it's uh, Michael Corleone. I haven't seen The Godfathers. I know, I know, I, I need to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I think he plays Michael Corleone. My dad's a big um, true crime fan. And yeah, oh. his favorite movies are Godfather, Scarface, Goodfellas. And he's almost finished with uh, The Sopranos on HBO. Yeah. And yeah, speaking of TV show adaptations earlier, Many Saints of Newark's coming out. That's a Sopranos prequel. And it looks really good. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, Anyways, way off topic there. <laughs> oh, it's all good. There's, I don't care. Maybe you can go anywhere you want to take this. But, uh, so what are your, like, I just want to know, like, what are your, like, overall, what are your honest, I guess, thoughts on remix? Should they happen more often or just more frequently to make it that element of surprise, like, element more better? Or what, like, what are your thoughts on it? So when it comes to remakes, I do think the idea isn't that bad on the completely on the surface of a remake where you just take something that exists and add your own interpretation to it. I think that's fine, but it's when they take already very well-renowned movies and that aren't even that old and kind of make them worse and not reinterpret it because um A good example of a bad remake would be Spike Lee's Old Boy remake 
The original one from 2003, I believe it's a Korean movie, uh, South Korean. It is one of the most, like, it is one of the finest movies ever made. It is such a good revenge story. The action is arguably kind of groundbreaking. I mean, if it wasn't for that hallway sequence, I don't think we would have sequences that we saw in, like, Daredevil or The Raid. Oh, yeah. And, like, the, the actor, the main actor who was in Old Boy, the, the 2003 one, he, like, Really, really, I mean, talking about Al Pacino and other actors, he completely disappears and throws himself into this character. And the character himself has this almost like not even 180, but like 360 transformation, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, where like in the beginning, he's like a fat drunk. And towards the second act, he's like a buff martial arts dude. And he's hell bent on revenge. And the ending completely pulls the rug out from under you and is so effective and is kind of messed up. And the Spike Lee remake, it came out like only 10 years later for some reason, not even that old of a movie. And Josh Brolin was in it. And Josh Brolin's a great actor. No, no doubt in there. And Spike Lee is a good director. I don't know what happened with Old Boy, but movies like Do the Right Thing those are like so influential and so important, like even still today. And that's like a 30 year old movie. But with old boy, it seemed like he did not want to direct it. Cause if you look at interviews, he seems so bored while talking about it. And clearly it was a movie that the studio, whichever studio it was just had him do it. And I guess he did it for a paycheck. I don't know. And it just seemed like no one was really just putting their all into it. Josh Brolin, you can tell he tried. Elizabeth Olsen was in it. You can tell she tried. But when you compare their performances in Old Boy to their good stuff, it's just so clear that the direction was not there. And when you look at Spike Lee's enthusiasm talking about something like uh, Black Klansman recently, um, he has so much passion talking about stories that he genuinely wants to tell and yeah, old boy yeah. was just not one that he seemed to want to tell and every change they made was not for the better it was easily for the worse because it lacked that emotional pull that the uh, original had and a lot of the scenes that they sort of like changed up are unintentionally hilarious <laughs> yeah like there's a there's a torture scene in the first one where um, the main character is pulling a guy's teeth out. It is brutal, and it's hard to watch. But, you know, it's a torture scene. It's supposed to be, and it's making you cringe, and, yeah, it's, it's very effective. But the one in the 2013 Spike Lee version, he's, like, cutting little pieces of his neck, which does look painful, but who can say they've actually felt the pain of that normally? Because everyone has felt the pain of, you know, pulling a tooth it's something everyone goes through yeah and to like stop him from talking he just gets like a ball of yarn and just sits it in his mouth and it looks hilarious it's clear that <laughs> sam jackson's character that's the one that's being tortured is just biting down on it it was so bad and the action was a thousand times worse it was yeah. so bad and i I guess that's because maybe Spike Lee's not really an action movie director. His movies are mostly dramas. And here he is directing a revenge action thriller, and it just didn't work. And it was clear that, or it's, it seemed clear that the studio wanted to remake Old Boy to appeal to an American audience when the original easily could. It just It's just subtitles. Just read the subtitles. Sure. There's a lot of, I guess aspects that go in that I guess they just didn't capitalize on when they said of, you know, as far as like cinematography wise, you know, the aspect of it, like, I don't know. There's so many things that it's about hearing. It. I've never seen the movies, but despite hearing it, it sounds like they've totally dropped the ball in different aspects in the remake. Absolutely. There's not one aspect in the remake that I could say is even slightly better than the, than the original. Cause yeah, you want to talk about cinematography the shots in Old Boy, 
I mean, the lighting and like the movement of the camera, it seems so meticulously planned. And, you know, like the hallway shot, it is just uh, the camera sweeping the hallway and it's the character just going through a bunch of bad guys. And, you know, it, it has like such a unique and specific look to it where the original or not the original, the remake has such bland shot composition. For mm -hmm. some reason, the lighting is so bright and it looks like like a TV show almost. And their version of that hallway fight wasn't nearly as stylistic. And the sound design in that fight, too. I don't know what was up with it, but it was just all off. Yeah, so sounds crazy. But like what I guess what element or elements um, of cinematography draw you into a movie? Like, is there anything that sticks out to you? Like when you're watching a movie, like, oh, that's that's a really cool aspect. Or is there anything that like ultimately like draws you in that one makes you keep watching the movie? Um, nowadays, it is like way more popular than it ever has been. But one thing I love, just love, is when the cinematographer and the director, for that matter, decide not to cut away from whatever's happening, but just to keep the take rolling. And just it, it gives the the movie this feeling of like unpredictable, like unpredictability. But like, you know, something like 1917, you can see where the cuts were. And it worked for the most part, but it just kind of felt like a gimmick with 1917. But then you look at Birdman, as I mentioned earlier. That whole movie is kind of what popularized this single-take thing in, in Hollywood. And it is about – Michael Keaton plays like a washed-up actor who is like trying to write a play and put it on Broadway. And he's only famous for playing this fictional superhero called Birdman mm -hmm. from like 30 years ago, kind of like Michael Keaton is today with Batman. And the whole movie is shot and edited to look like one single take. It's a pretty trippy movie at times. And it gives it this unpredictable feel as to like, oh, what's happening next? Why is the shot still lingering? Something's going to happen. And then something does happen. And it also allows for creative, you know, uh, transitions like techniques. Because there's this one shot that shows the day passing to night. Like, how are you supposed to show that transition without a jump cut the yeah. lighting like what they did with the lighting and the editing it was like oh no wonder they would do that because it would just simply show the sky going darker and then coming back up bright again and it's like oh well that's simple but it looked really good and it showed the passage of time so simply yet so perfectly and when it comes to like how the character sees things in his head it also that adds to the unpredictable the unpredictability of it like you don't know is this actually happening or is this only what the character is seeing like what is actually happening it gives you more perspective and yeah with someone like birdman it works so well but then in action movies when the camera stays rolling and doesn't cut away from what's happening it just mm -hmm. makes the action look smooth and honestly more tension filled and more entertaining because like you know the raid or well yeah the raid the raid too that has many shots that just keep going while the action's going and it's like oh my god how further are they going to keep going how much are they going to keep fighting also the fact that the camera's moving like with the action it just is so stylistic and is so entertaining and so yeah and it also like I kept saying about Birdman, it kind of makes it more unpredictable. Yeah. Because, like, it? with the shot lingering, it's like, whoa, what's going to happen next? And for, like, a drama, you know, you just, you're constantly questioning where's this going to go because the shot is still going. Why? And you find out why. And it is just kind of pulls a rug out from under you. Yeah, there's so many, I think, when done right, there's so many, I think, elements in a movie that can just, so many even simple things too that can just make a big effect in a movie as far as cinematography goes too. It feels like you said lighting could be you know transitioning from night from day to night and from night to day. It feels like there's so many things that could just crazy things that cool creative I guess sometimes simple ways that could just pull a you know 
of movie viewer in, you know, there's so many. Oh yeah, absolutely. Plays in, you know, that's so creative and people just think outside the box all the time, you know. So that's kind of what I look for. Just sometimes, like I, I when I watch movies, I'm like I'm looking for that kind of stuff. Sometimes I don't know why, not every time, but there's been times like, oh yeah, that lighting would have been cool that way, or that camera angle, or this piece of editing, this blah blah blah, X Y Z. There's so many things that I'm like. I probably the worst. Honestly, I'm the probably the worst. Maybe sometimes to go person to go watch the movie with sometimes because like that's what I look for. Like, how did this person do that? Like, what's, what's oh yeah, that's how so, I am. Yeah, I guess just kind of by default. I guess I don't know why. I guess of being a communication major, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so, that's why we're in the majors we're in, though. For sure. I mean, so that's look, how we I'm, like see this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I mean, just I guess something different. I don't know. I can't. I, mean, I can't be a Science major or math major to save my life. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> Throw me in a math class, and I'm totally lost. You know, or science class or anything like that. I'm a, I'm the wrong person to be talking those that kind of stuff with. I barely passed my math and science classes these past few semesters. Just barely hanging on. I passed them though, but not not by a long shot at all. Yeah, I'm a complete stooge when it comes to like math or anything. I barely passed. College algebra, like I barely, I made like a seventy-one or two in the class. I barely passed the final with a seventy. I'm a student. I don't know. I can't tell you what the quadratic formula is. I can tell you the name of it, but I can't tell you what it is or how to use it or apply it to anything in I life. Was good in algebra, but I can't remember the quadratic formula either. <laughs> like hey, even that's, that's why we're fine arts majors, though. For sure. <laughs> so I guess to wrap things up a little bit, yeah. Um, I, this is a question I kind of ask everybody at the end of my every guest at the end. So, um, what three things are you kind of grateful for right now? Oh, just in general? Yeah, just in general. Anything at all. Grateful. I, right now, because, like, we kind of had a family emergency yesterday. Um, my, uh, my grandpa was sent to the, to the ICU. Um, he was airlifted from Hobbs, New Mexico to uh, El Paso. And, yeah, right now, the biggest thing i'm thankful for is my parents right now like i cannot imagine what my mom is going through it's it's her dad and she's in el paso right now at the hospital with them and uh yeah i just whenever she's back i i it's gonna be tough moving back to canyon even though it's an hour away because i'm in plain view because yeah i just it's one of those moments where i realize i need to cherish these two people as much as I can and not that I don't but it's still just an eye-opening thing when something this big happens and so yeah we're hoping for like a speedy recovery but yeah the biggest biggest thing I'm thankful for right now not just my parents but just just my whole family right now cool. especially okay. right now not not that I'm not ever thankful <laughs> for them it's just in this moment yeah that I'm I'm like cherishing them. Yeah, man, I'll be I'm sorry to hear that, man. I'll be sitting some, you know, prayers your way, man. Hopefully you speedy recovery and everything works out great, man. Thank you. Sure. So um thank you for coming on the cell, man. I'm really it means a lot that you actually took the time out to, you know, talk movies with me, talk adaptations, remakes, cinematography. Yeah, it means a lot thanks for you. having me. I I take any any chance I get to talk about movies. I mean, I watch them daily and I mean, I don't know if that makes me sound lazy cause I don't do anything else. Well, that's not true. I watch them and I analyze them and then I can make them in the future. That's what I'm hoping to do. Sure. So, so you, turn that lazy task into, into something. Sure. Are you planning to like go into film or something? Is that something a career path you're thinking of or sounds like oh, you've yeah. seen a lot, that you, you know, a lot of, so that's yeah, that's that's what I'm wanting to do. I'm wanting to be a writer and not really a writer. I'm not the greatest writer when it comes to dialogue, especially, but a director. That is that's top goal right there. Oh, cool, man. So that seems pretty interesting. So hopefully you can you know, teach Spike thing, uh, Spike Lee a thing or two about remakes or something. <laughs> oh, if I if I try and talk to Spike Lee like that, that's gonna be intimidating. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? You may be bigger than him, or one day popularity-wise, and just give him one of your give him one of your uh, classic rants that you gave in Dane's class or something. Like, no, that, I bet he would find entertaining. 
But sure, first, so. I got to tell Christopher Nolan everything I figured out about Tenet. See if I'm correct. <laughs> yeah, Tenet was a crazy movie. Crazy good movie, I guess, but yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, so um, it was a really good movie. But I just want to say, you know, thanks again for coming on. And thanks, thanks to everybody. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks to everybody who, t- who tuned in, took the time out to tune in. Hopefully everybody has a great weekend. And uh, hopefully no Friday the 13th feels come out of nowhere. So <laughs> so uh, thanks to everybody tuning in. So everybody has a great weekend. See everybody.